you know, I'm from the Bay Area. What? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Crazy. Because <laughs> like, you're from you're from San Francisco, right? Yeah. There's there's like nine point five people Billion born people. in the Bay Area. Yeah. <laughs> so, so 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 I there was a study. It was done a while back. I think it maybe the 2010 census, but it was like under 15% of the population of the Bay Area is people under 15 years old. It's just, it's just, they're not that many kids. So really? Yeah. That oh, I didn't know unicorn. that. I'm a unicorn and you're a unicorn. Yeah. I yep. grew up in um, Los Altos Hills and I was born at Stanford. So I was like more in the Silicon Valley area, but were you like proper San Francisco? Uh, yeah, I was born at Mount Zion Hospital. Oh, wow. Do you miss San Francisco? I, I do, in parts. Uh, I, I've been down in L.A. for a couple of years now, and I love it down here. There's certain things I love about living in the Bay. There's certain things that are, have become really intense. Um, yeah. the, the transient and uh, unhoused situation, the homeless situation is really, really a lot. Uh, it's, it, it's a lot to see people in so much need, mm-hmm. in need of care and support and services, not getting the care they need just because of the structure of the. You're right. Right. No, um, I, but, I, and it's always been a little bit like that, but I think it got ex- it, uh, exponentially terrible when I went there two years ago, I shot a movie and I hadn't been back in the Bay Area for a long time because my family moved to LA and down South and some in London, but I couldn't even believe that it was the same city because there was always, it was always, it was always a little, a little match there, but now it has just gotten so out of control and it is just the saddest thing just to walk around and the mental health issues that you just want to help every single person when you walk and it just completely becomes overwhelming. I don't know if that was your experience, but that was mine for the, for the couple months that I was there. Well, I mean, there, there's a bunch of things that were happening at the same time to bring about this situation, but it, it got to the point where parking your car, going out for a meal or something, there was a probability that your car would be broken into. And, really? And yeah, no, it happened to me in the final few years. I was in San Francisco several times. And um, and it it gets concerning. It, right. it's, it's, it's hard because the city I grew up in was, it, it was a city that was very inclusive, that welcomed people of all walks of life with... with mm-hmm embracing new ways of thinking art culture and 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 it became kind of supercharged in terms of everything that went went down in the city in terms of these giant companies moving in and suddenly it becomes extremely wealthy and not to say it wasn't a wealthy city prior but then no but um, i mean it got to a it's at a level where it it, it's not even real money. Do you know what I mean? It's like monopoly money. It's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and then coinciding with that, it, it's in order to maintain a healthy environment, you want to make sure that people of all walks of, walks of life are interacting. And, it, right. and, and the challenge for me is I, I saw that happening less and less. And I would love to see that happen more and more in a city, just having more cultural interaction, meaning not just, you know, 
getting up and going to work and ordering food into an environment that's say you know that that's structured and then Absolutely. you know going going to your your building and and then having your your little closed loop of a situation and and i i i wish i hope for the city that it can once again become a place where you can go out and not feel like there is a situation where you'll be having to navigate a lot of mentally ill people who aren't getting the support they need an environment where you can go and find music in the streets mm -hmm. and, and a liveliness happening. Uh, well, I think that when I was there, at least they were just, it, it's like throwing money at a problem instead of trying to solve that problem. It was like, here's the money, here's the drugs, just like put them over here. Right. And I think that what was so amazing about San Francisco and growing up there and going to visit the city, especially like around Christmas time, it's just so beautiful union square and, and seeing all this, there was such culture. There was fun flavor. It was exciting. It felt like a real city. And I think when I was there, it was just so tragic. You know, it just has become this, this heavy, heavy city that it wasn't before. You know, and I think that that was, that was, it was just so drastic for me because I hadn't been there really as an adult to really experience it. Um, I had only done it as a kid, basically. Um, but yeah, so I, I really hope there's just so much money there and there's so much that can be done to help and make it such a fabulous place again that I really hope people excuse my French, get their fucking shit together and help out instead of just ignoring the problem and keeping their head down and walking the other direction. You know? Well, well there's hope. There's hope. So yeah. there was um, an ordinance passed uh, last year that was led by uh, two supervisors in the city, Matt Haney and Hillary Ronan. And it unlocked hundreds of millions of dollars for mental health support services. Really? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, this has provided a mode of support. Create services that support people along the spectrum, not just chronic mm -hmm. and crisis oriented when someone is experiencing a full-blown breakdown, needs to be 5150, needs to be, you know, taken to a place where they can chill out for a period of time. And yeah. it's a and it's a crisis-oriented intervention, or needs serious support for uh, drug addiction and the like. It, it, you know, there's an opportunity to to provide services along the the path of prevention. Mm -hmm. You know, and and that's a lot less in ex uh, uh, excuse me, it's a lot less expensive to provide services for, and and um, and so there is hope. But, but yeah. it requires sustained uh, support. It requires really thinking about things on a systems level and really applying pressure and uh, strategic resource allocation in areas where it's, it's, um, it's most effective. So putting on my advocacy hat. No, but, but I feel there, there is hope. And I feel like what, what makes me um, so frustrated inside is 
Los Angeles is slowly getting into kind of this crisis as well. And I don't think people really understand it. People go, oh, San Francisco. I'm like, yeah, but like we're at the beginning of something happening in LA. Let's try to help out immediately before it becomes this huge disaster where people are like, you know what? I give up. Like there's nothing we can do. Just like, here's some drugs. Like keep them in a corner, you know? And I think that, I don't know if you've seen this, I've seen this here. Oh, I, no, I see it. Where it's, it's, you know, I, I, you can't go down the street without it being tent city. And I'm like, why are we not helping these people? You know, why? It's not just homeless. It's not just drug, it's mental health. And there's a bigger issue here that you can't just assume like, oh, well, they're just drug addicts, so they're not humans. Like, everyone's a fucking human being, you know? And everyone needs help, and it's trying to figure that out. Anyways, I could go on a whole spiel about oh, I mean, I'm, and, I'm, and I love discussing these topics because they're important topics to, to, to discuss. The thing that really gets me is when you see what's going on near the VA in Los Angeles oh, County. right, right you in see, the west side. Yeah, you see it's... it's it's a stretch, maybe a third of a mile, half of a mile long of homeless veterans. Right. You know, and dra- American flags draped over tents and the like for, for a while. And, and you know, what, what that makes me realize is that we need to find ways to provide better supportive solutions for those in need. Absolutely. And, and uh, and yeah, I mean, in LA, of course, the pandemic certainly doesn't help things. It's, it's increased issues. It's increased things like drug and alcohol abuse, um, have friends directly impacted by um, those issues, especially in an, isolate, an environment of isolation like uh, a pandemic. Um, you see 10 cities spring up in, in places they weren't before. I mean, yeah. it's clear that we need to really embrace change and mm-hmm. and an approach to not only mental health but thinking about how we can support those in need at a grand scale you know mm-hmm. not just people talk about the green new deal and and from my perspective incorporated with that needs to be an approach to thinking about mental health addiction and recovery support and the like because we've reached pandemic levels in parallel with everything that's going on with with our old friend corona yeah you know our old friend not so old anymore not so like, old anymore maybe new maybe new again who knows we'll no. uh, just have to count the days down yeah not no so not so much an old friend but that's something no that i i, I understand become yeah. uh, acclimated to yeah i i mean uh Look, I don't know about you, but for me, I don't know if you know this, but I'm bipolar and and I have been very um, lucky to have dealt with a lot of mental issues for 33 years um, where I know how to sit inside my brain and kind of um, be okay with being alone and have those tools to kind of help. But I know a lot of a lot of friends of mine, super close, have never dealt with such isolation, have never dealt with such depression, have never had to listen to their own thoughts while being alone. And this pandemic has completely just like exploded and allowed everyone to to feel these like this 
this demon inside them and really sit with it. And it's just so heartbreaking because I think, yes, of course, we're dealing with the disease and I mean, not a disease, whatever, you know what I mean? (laughs) We're dealing with this, but we are also on top of that. What people are not recognizing is we are dealing with so much more mental illness and so much more anxiety and stress that people who may not even have been born with a mental illness or any, anything, but it's triggering this like PTSD that people have never had before or never been able to express how they feel and they've just completely like isolated and gone into a box and not know what to do. Um, so I don't know how you're dealing with it, but that's, that's the, that's what I've been seeing around me. And I think that that's another frustrating thing of dealing with, um, this fucking pandemic is, is a new mental health world. It's awful what this pandemic has brought about because it's kind of a perfect storm of Mm. isolation um, economic uh, disparity you've got, um, or economic inequality, however you want to frame it, um, political upheaval, mm-hmm. uh, social upheaval, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's led people to feel unsupported, ultimately questioning the, the state and structure of things. I mean, right. this has been a strain for most people. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, as part of that, I think um, the isolation thing is intense. You know, it, it, there's a couple of things that are shown to be doing quite well during this time, which is fast food. Um, yeah. People are eating their feelings. Alcohol. Uh, alcohol, drugs too. Um, and then uh, video games. <laughs> well, know? let me tell you, I I have a very addictive personality, so I refuse to get involved in the video games because I know that would Animal Kingdom or whatever that one is called, Animal Farm, whatever that is, I would have been just like balls to the wall gone. Like you wouldn't see me right here. Like I'd have no show. <laughs> but yeah, it's true. It, it, it's really true. And I think that a lot of people, even beyond, you know, you know, mental health and sobriety and all of that, people don't have that outlet or a support group. Like I know um, for my husband, he has, you know, AA to depend on and, and be connecting with. Right. And like, I have emotional support groups that I, that I belong to, that I have these outlets, but so many people don't know what to do. And so you're right. They're sitting inside, they're going over everything in their head and they're just self-medicating. You know, and that's another huge problem is why are no, why is no one talking about that people are self-medicating right now and can't we provide tools for them? You know, I, yeah, well, for, you know, as, as someone who's in recovery as well, um, and oh. has been for a while at this point, um, if I were self-medicating using things like alcohol and drugs at this time, I would be an absolute basket case. Yeah. There's no question about it because, uh, the thing for me, and of course, I, I, you know, I do rely upon things like fast food. Yeah, we, <laughs> it's okay. I do too. Know, Don't worry. And limited, you know, video games. You know, these type of things are are things that have been crutches in times when I need them. But you know, what 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 would be seriously dysregulating for me is engaging in you know, drinking and things like that because the isolation component. It, it does provide opportunities 
connecting through things like Zoom, through digital experiences. There is a massive advantage there. It, it's been yeah. nice to be able to have friends that I could keep in touch with, but mm-hmm. nothing quite, quite beats being able to sit across from your family. to hug Physical someone. touch. Yeah. yeah. And I hope as things become more open, there will be an orientation and lens towards investing in, you know, connecting more thoroughly with people. Right. Because um, at this point in time, it's really what we've seen. In terms of the organizations I work with, the, the mental health nonprofits, we're seeing a collective right. drama. It's, it's, at this point in time, uh, 80% of people under 25 are talking about mental health. Mm-hmm. That's the data I've seen. Uh, 40% of people in general, adults, even those who have generally swept their issues under the rugs and the like through this, you know, the pervasive cultural stigma that we see in the U.S. Even, even people who have not traditionally want, wanted to talk about mental health are now speaking about it. Uh, well, I think people are being forced to because it's, it's like the, the red light is right in front of their face and you're either going to acknowledge it or not, but whether you want to acknowledge it, it's happening. You know, it's happening and there has to be some sort of change. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I, and so I hope, I hope that there will be some catalysts that lead towards positive change. The question is, right. can it galvanize into something that's long-term right right? and that we don't revert to a mean that leads us isolated and alone without a pandemic right right no uh, so i'm so curious how did you get into the mental health field like from san francisco to la is that how this all happened like because you're such an advocate and i think it's so amazing what you're doing and we're going to get into your new company but how did you because you're in technology as well right yeah, that, that, was, that is my background because my new company has a tech component as well. But um, um, I came by it through what I experienced through my personal struggles. So um, mental health advocacy was something that I discovered was really healing for me as I was dealing with the trauma associated with my dad dying by suicide. Mm -hmm. Um, After he died, I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder and um, self-medicating, tried using cannabis products that actually increased anxiety, but um, I, I just found myself wanting to numb. And I was trying to show up for other people uh, through the public grieving process, and didn't grieve privately in the way that I, in, in hindsight, I feel like I needed to and didn't treat the underlying trauma associated with my dad's passing and just ended up on a tear and, and I was really down and out. I, I was mm-hmm. experiencing depressive episodes and, and, uh, there were times where I didn't want to live. I, I just, I was so yeah. frustrated and, and, and so pressed that it just, it was just challenging to get up in the morning. And Can I just interrupt you for one second? I just want you to know that I really appreciate that you said 
um, that you were so frustrated and that's, that was really hard on you because I think that people don't hear that enough. I think that people will be like, oh, if you're depressed, you know, you have these, these thoughts and all this stuff. Sometimes you're just so frustrated inside that you have no other release. So I just wanted to, you go, I wanted you to go back, but I just want you to know that that really like, resonates for me because that's whenever I've had those moments and those thoughts and actually those attempts that, that have happened in my past, it's less out of, oh, I was so depressed. I was so frustrated that I didn't know what else to do. And I think that that was just so awesome. So thank you. I just wanted to. Oh, no, that certainly. <laughs> Dog parents, listen up. I stumbled across this dog nutrition brand, you may have heard of it, called Jinx through a mutual connection, and I just had to share it with all of you. As you know, I am super protective of my pups, especially when it comes to food. But when I learned about the recipe design and the quality ingredients that are put into Jinx foods, well, I was excited to give it a try. And no surprise, Pee Wee and Dottie loved it. And I loved that it was packed with clean, real ingredients. Jinx gets the modern world we live in impacts our pups. They get a lot less stimulation and they do a lot more sleeping. And this means their nutrition needs to address that. So Jinx pairs lean proteins like fresh salmon and organic chicken with functional superfoods like eggs and pumpkin to deliver a complete and balanced diet. You'll feel good about feeding your little fur baby. The best part is they make it super easy. You can set up a subscription on thinkjinx.com to have the food delivered at whatever frequency works for you. Their reviews speak for themselves. And they just started selling on petco.com because the food is that good, making it easier than ever to get it whenever, wherever you want. As you know, I would never endorse a product that we don't actually use and love. So I've worked closely with the team at Jinx on a special offer for all of you. 50% off your first subscription purchase using code EMO support during checkout at thinkjinx.com. I'll drop the website and the promo code in the show details so that you can find it after the episode ends. You're welcome. The thing, the thing for me was I, I was proud. I still am proud. Um, and that pride really got in the way of admitting that I wasn't able to manage a lot of elements of my life. Mm -hmm. um, and um, what I found is that, and, you know, I come from a long line of people who self-medicated, who abuse alcohol, call it Same. Alcohol alcoholism. Real fun. Real yeah, fun. <laughs> right. But, you know, and, yeah, I come... My, my mother's side of the family is Italian American and it's my dad's line. Rosani, yeah. We, we, and you know, a large part of it was just like, you got a problem, just stuff it down and drink your, drink your way through it. You know, it's a, it's culture. It's, it's just culture. It's not a big deal. It's just yeah. have a Chianti. Yeah. To be fair, that's not my mom. My, my mom, my mom yeah. is, she's Ayurvedic practitioner and, and oh, focused. wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, but, but, but I, I was experiencing the stigma head on. Right. And so, um, it took a long time to realize that I was self-medicating through a lot of this stuff. And then when I, when I took that out of the equation, 
I was feeling so raw that it was really hard to just just cope throughout the day. And 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 there's a couple of things that I re- realized were extremely healing for me. One was a commitment to service, mm. and I found mental health advocacy to be the most healing thing for me around the trauma and around uh, the experience of dealing with deeply traumatic events, not only with my dad's suicide, but also things that occurred earlier in my life. And, and it, it helped me both find connections and ways to, to truly connect with people, but also um, it supported, you know, it, it was something that I could ultimately bring a lot of, bring a lot of help to. You know, I could, I, by, both in sharing my story, but also in helping organizations using my skill set. It, it was an opportunity to really do a lot of good. And, and I love that. Did it make you feel overwhelmed, though? Because sometimes I feel that way, and maybe you can help me, <laughs> doctor. <laughs> but um, I, sometimes I feel doing the mental health work and the advocacy and working with organizations and just listening to other people who have stories and share – I think that, yes, that is part of the healing process and it makes me feel like I have a purpose, you know, not just, oh, you're an actress. Like, no, no, no. I feel like this is my purpose and why I was born with, with a disorder that I was so I could be a voice and kind of make light of it and make it a joke in the best way possible. But I sometimes feel that, that as much as I do that, sometimes it's so overwhelming that I find myself just wanting to back up in a corner and be like, you know what? Fuck this. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to hear about mental health. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Do you ever feel that? Oh yeah. So it's, so it's, it, it's complicated. Right. And, and <laughs> so in part, I, I was still self-medicating when I started the path of mental health advocacy. It's not like suddenly there's an aha moment and right. the, sun, the sun pulls up over the clouds and I'm Ooh. paved. <laughs> I'm bathed in Jesus's light and I'm suddenly, <laughs> I'm suddenly freed. Right. Um, you know, it, it's a little bit more complex than that. Right. And so from my, from my lens, um, there was an element that was very healing through starting the process of mental, mental health advocacy um, or becoming more involved in mental health advocacy. And, and you know, then I, then I, took the self-medication out of the equation. I mm. stopped drinking alcohol. I stopped using anything to kind of manage my stress, anxiety, depression. And things got worse before it got better, right? Always, you know, right. Because I'm like this, I was like this bundle of nerves. Mm-hmm. And so a couple of things happened. One is I, I found... Um, a lot of natural support solutions. That's in part why I started my company. But I also found that um, I had to think about things in terms of balance, mm-hmm. you know, because I would be drinking five cups of coffee and eating in excess and just doing all these things yeah. that help manage my feelings. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, wait, it's, it's all about balance in these different systems you've got all these all these hormones in your body and you pump yourself full of sugar you 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 add caffeine to the mix you know you add these different things and it's not it's not gonna solve 
it's not going to solve your needs in the long right. run. Um, so I, I really discovered that I had to balance my life. Did you there. learn, did, or did your mom help you since she is in kind of that world? Sort of. Um, she, because, because she, was, she is my mom, I, I just thought it was very uncool. <laughs> totally. You know, it's just like, oh, mom, like, yoga is so not cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was talking about feelings. It's so not cool. Gross. <laughs> yeah. She, she, did, she did introduce a couple things, which I found to be really, really helpful. She introduced me to the Hoffman process, which... Great. Yeah. Sturgis great. does that. Great. Sadly, the Hoffman Institute burned down this week. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the one, the, the, the Institute in, in Napa. Oh, in wow. Lena burnt down over the past few days. So, so oh that's sad. Um, hopefully it'll rebuild bigger yeah. and better. Maybe not necessarily bigger, maybe just better. Better. Yeah. Maybe taller. I, I don't know, yeah. but, but, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's sad, but I, I found a lot of help through engaging in that process and, you know, starting to be open to finding solutions that, help you on help at least help me unwind the the different traumas that I experienced mm -hmm. and and help me better understand why it was and why mm -hmm. it is that I do the things I do right and um and then I you know I discovered that amino acid formulations which were kind of a game changer for me uh, I know a lot of people have heard of adaptogens, maybe uh -huh. through drinking, you know, the, their specific type of green juice. Might go to Erwan and find something amazing that from the bar, mushroom. Or just a juice that's $40 that really doesn't do anything. But, you right. know, well, that's, I mean, but we don't know. <laughs> yeah, no. So that was one of the challenges that I experimented with a bunch of things. And it was kind of like a scattershot. And I found some to be helpful for sometimes and some to be helpful for other times and then they weren't right. helpful and there was just all these issues with it until I found amino acid formulations, right? And, and the thing that was most awesome about that is the science and research behind it just involves bouncing out your hormone system, you know? Mm -hmm. And so yeah. I found myself wired and then suddenly I took GABA and L-theanine and I felt yeah. supported. What's so funny is I, I would take GABA all the time. He, he's like, I feel like you guys are going to be the best of friends because you are on the same path. But uh, GABA made me go to such an extreme of, of like um, manic energy. But I think that's just because it was the reaction with my medication possibly but oh. but gaba yeah, has changed sturgis's life like he that is is gaba comes with us on every trip we go to <laughs> right so here's the thing is that um amino acid formulations on their own if you take it in the right quantities to balance out your system and every person kind of has a different right. kind of amount of quantities for the different things to help balance out their system. It's awesome and transformational. Where it gets a little challenging is when you start throwing prescription medication into the mix and the like, then that's 
you can take GABA and suddenly like you're feeling like all wired. It's because yeah. the prescription medication interacts with the same systems in the body and right. might kind of overshoot it for you right. for that <laughs> system. But, you know, from my perspective, realizing that I could suddenly balance out my system using amino acid formulations was kind of like a game changer. And then I was like, oh my God, why isn't there a brand out there that stands for mental health in the consumer goods category, like, you know, Coca-Cola stands for refreshment. Right. And you and, were like, and Pim is born. And then, and then, <laughs> I, and then I, I started a company. Right? Are you kind of a science nerd? Um, in part, that, that, yeah. is, that is an element of my background. I, right. I, I, I have a background. I don't in- mean like I don't mean like you went to school for science. I mean just like you're fascinated by it. That that's why you got so excited to create this like magic. Uh, well, you know, historically, historically speaking, in <laughs> 1742, um, now the where I where where I've spent a good chunk of my career is taking complex ideas developed by engineers. Uh, gen- you know, whether it's physical, I've worked for a lunar lander company or, mm-hmm. or, or with algorithms, I've, you know, working with machine learning and AI companies or making video games, what have you. I've always, I've always been able to work with highly technical people to translate their ideas into simple premises that customers can understand. Right. And, um, and so when it came to developing a product and, and establishing a formulation that works and, and backing it with science and research, we found that um, uh, the thing that I was able to do in the development process was to take a foundation of science and research and translate into a simple, uh, easily communicable product mm-hmm. that, um, that can provide some support for people, for stress and anxiety to start, and then extending into uh, things like energy and sleep. And ideally, we'd like to create a happiness product, which will involve- Would uh, love that. Well, you know, it's the type of product that, that is, is going to take some time to develop because it's, it's complex. You know, mm-hmm. it interacts with a bunch of different systems in your body that requires a lot of thought and careful messaging so that people are consulting a, a physician prior to taking a product if they're taking prescription pharmaceuticals or things like that. And, and you know, a current product, it's pretty straightforward. It provides support for stress and anxiety. Yeah. We call it a mood chew. Um, it's meant to be... And it's in a great package beautiful. as well. <laughs> Um, but you know, the key thing for, uh, for me, for, for our team was we, we wanted to create something that stands for mental health support, layering in other elements, layering in a digital experience, an app, things like that are things that we're thinking through, but we want to do it so thoughtfully to the point where when it exists, as it relates to our physical products and the like, we want it to feel like it's always been there. 
I love that. I love that. Yes. That's great. Well, and I think that it's so unique, right? Because it's almost like a tic-tac, right? The way that you have it packaged in the sense where it's like, oh, I just got my stuff in the back of my, got my pims in the back of my pocket. I'm going to pull it out. I'm going to feel a little better right now, you know? And it's, and it's, it's making, you're, you're on the path one step at a time, but I think you made a giant leap already on making mental health stigma free, right? It's not a big deal. It's a mental health, you know, little chew. It's not a big deal. I think that that's amazing. Yeah. I, I, I think from, from my perspective, it's an opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Because young people are starting to talk about mental health. Prior, I would say 10 years ago, it wouldn't be possible to develop and distribute a company or a product like this, because it wouldn't get the same type of adoption. Um, It's very clear that there's an openness of people to talk about mental health, to buy a product and say, look, I'm I'm trying to be the version of myself I wanna be. Mm -hmm. And it's what it is. And I'll do whatever it takes to get to that point versus saying, I'm broken, or we don't talk about mental health because it suggests that you know, I have some sort of defect. I don't think that's the case at all. I think there's a, there's, there's such a opportunity for people across the board to embrace what makes them uniquely them. Yeah. And find the opportunity and then ultimately to find ways in which they can balance their selves so they can be the version of themselves that they want to be. You know? Yeah. And I think that's a very evolved way of thinking. And as long as you, you know, keep projecting and, and saying that over and over, I think that, you know, what do they say? It takes like three or five times to actually process something or you see an ad and it takes an X amount of times for you to see it before you actually purchase the product. You know, it's the same sort of thing. And, and I think that what you're doing, what I'm trying to do is to talk about it so much that it's so normal and it's, not going to be something that people are going to feel like they're failures if they have, you know, a a sad feeling or if they feel bad inside, you know, just making it feel like everything's going to be okay one day at a time. Yeah. I I mean, and here's what, here's what I would say is that I'm coming at this challenge as an advocate. I created this company as an advocate. I want to to hopefully empower people to become advocates. Mm-hmm. I want people who support the product to say, hey, I'm going to stand for mental health in a way that's meaningful and ideally helpful for others. That's what matters to me. And, and the thing that I found is, and this was very much part of my personal sickness, you could call it. Um, when I embraced me feeling broken, that's when I would be saying, okay, you know what? I'm just going to drink myself stupid. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, because I'm broken. This, therefore, it's like, this can't be fixed. Yeah. And this, suddenly it became my identity as, as someone who is just like so broken and woe is me. And, and, and you know, I kind of relished in it a bit because it made me feel, you know, it's like, even though I'm not an artist, I was like, oh, you know, but there's, you know, the weight of the world has, has, has led me down this path. And I'm, embracing the self-pity mm-hmm. and you know, feels good to embrace it though hey you know <laughs> as there are times when you're when, in that state of mind it feels fucking great yeah 
I mean, but 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 as a primary modality, yeah, I think it can be a very. It was. I'll just speak for myself. It was very toxic for me, because of course. because then I didn't. It didn't help me have the mindset of showing up, be of service to other people, whether you think you're broken or not, and just just being open to learning and evolving and just being there for others, finding a path to happiness. It doesn't open up a veil opportunities to find personal happiness and, mm-hmm. and, and opportunities to show up for others, which I think is a huge element of, of happiness that is underlooked often. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes in a cultural, you know, in the cultural gestalt too. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to ask you what, who is your emotional support? Can be anything. There's no wrong answer. Um, I draw an enormous amount of emotional support from my family. They're, they've just been tremendous. Um, especially as I learned to better connect with them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, probably the, I, I probably draw the most support from my partner, Olivia, uh, Olivia June, um, who's... What a gorgeous name. <laughs> yeah, she's the best. And, and, uh, and she's, she's, been an enor- she's been an enormous source of energy and, uh, and a rock for me during a, during a really challenging time. And... Um, I think on top of that, I find great support through things like AA and the fellowship mm-hmm. there. Um, and, uh, and then my friends, just, just trying not to shut down and still making effort to connect with people through this time has been absolutely instrumental to help me maintain my well-being and, and ultimately... Yeah. Um, my sanity. But what is sanity? <laughs> what is sanity anymore? I don't even know what that word means. Yeah. Totally. And how can everyone find PIM? Well, you can find it on our website. You can PIM.com. And you can PIM.com. I love that. Yeah. So, so our whole thing is we, we were very passionate about creating a community focused on breaking down the stigma we want to create a community of pimfluencers. <laughs> Obsessed. Obsessed. Um, but, but the lens that we want to take here, and this is very much my way of thinking of things, is like how can we support people in advocating for mental health mm-hmm. and supporting the causes that are near and dear to them associated with it? Mm-hmm. Um, so you can find it at youcanpim.com. You can find it soon. On Amazon. Can't wait. Counting the days. Yeah. And, uh, and ultimately, um, we'll be exploring opportunities to work with retail partners. But the key thing for us is to really focus on direct-to-consumer and creating a beautiful experience for people, ideally a product that can, that can provide the support they need. Um, our whole thing is we want to push people into healthy activity. So ideally PIM plays a part of that, our mood yeah. shoes, but also if it pushes people into mindfulness, meditation, therapy, exercise, mm-hmm. healthy diet, 
meaningful yeah. connection with people. We will, we feel we, we will have done our job, even if it catalyzes any sort of that activity. Yeah. Um, that's what matters to us is just getting people into a healthy mindset. Well, I know that this is just the tip of the iceberg for you and for Pim and for, um, your whole path in life. I think what you're doing is amazing. I really appreciate you coming on the show and being honest and open. And I can't wait to see um, where you go with your future. And I'll be following just a little bit behind. (laughs) But you'll catch me. I'll be there. You'll be like, oh my God, I can't get Alessandra to leave me alone right now. (laughs) Hey, the feeling's mutual. I, I, I so love what you stand for and, uh, and Thank you. what you advocate for. And, you know, the, the importance of your work is, is essential when it comes to making a difference and when it comes to mental health support. So. Thank you, because I would say 99% of the time, I don't feel that. So when one person says that to me, even if it's one person a month, it honestly will keep me going. So I really do appreciate that. Um, Thank you so much, Zach.